Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Those fed swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Gray Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice. KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. Getting going with Sports Open Line, a Gray Bar Sports Open Line, a little later than normal, but here we are for a one-hour edition Coming out of Cardinals baseball, Cardinals get the win today against Arizona by an 11-7 score. They take two of three, and now they are set to return home for a long homestand over the next week and a half. And the way the Cardinals look from a roster standpoint at the beginning of the homestand tomorrow and at the end of the homestand next weekend, it might look very, very, very different based off what happens at the trade deadline. Welcome into the program. As always, if you want to chime in, you can do so by calling or texting. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air is uh, the way to uh, get in contact with me on Twitter as the Cardinals uh, get the win today. You know, I I said this at the end of the extra inning show, and I'll kind of stand by it. It is a what could have been when you think back to that four-game series against the Cubs, and if that series would have just gone a little bit differently, would we be talking about the Cardinals in different terms right now? Would it be a little bit different in terms of what the uh, what the plan would be at the deadline? And it's, it's funny when it's a 162-game season. That's a lot of games. It's a long season. And then all of a sudden, one, two, three games – can kind of make a difference on something. Although we say that if they sweep that series against the Cubs and then they take two of three against the Diamondbacks, maybe we're having a different conversation. If they win three out of four, I'm not sure. If they split, probably not. And they end up losing three out of four, so certainly not. But if we're if we're really looking at what the Cardinals have done recently, they have played much better baseball since the All-Star break outside of that Cubs series. And they've played some teams that are not especially good. We're not trying to you know, hide what they've done, but they took two of three against Washington. They could have easily swept that series. They did sweep through Miami, a Miami team that was really scuffling going in and continued to scuffle on the way out. Then there was that four-game series against the Cubs, and the what-could-have-been moment continues to be that Burleson at bat when they're down one with the runner on at third and the 3-0 count and the the two strike calls that shouldn't have been strike calls and then the eventual double play, if that if that moment goes differently, how does that go? How, how does uh, What domino gets pushed down that makes things look a little bit different? Maybe no domino. Maybe they still lose that game. Maybe they still lose the next two games. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that moment changed the course of the season. It didn't. But that's the what could have been moment in that series. 
and now they take two out of three from a Diamondbacks team where they could have easily swept them if the bullpen was a little bit more consistent. If the bullpen could have protected a one-run lead yesterday in the eighth inning, they would have swept that series. But that's also kind of what this season has been, a what-could-have-been season. It, that's almost more than anything else. That is the frustrating aspect of this team. Not every series. There have certainly been some series and some games this year, some periods of time where they just haven't played very good baseball, where they've just been flat-out beat. But there has been a good number of times this year where you get done with the series and you lose the series or maybe even you won the series, kind of like that, uh, kind of like what I was talking about with Washington, where they could have very easily swept that series so many times this year. You got through the series. You saw how many wins the Cardinals got, and you went, "Man, they they could have won a few more in there." And you know, sometimes sometimes that's the way the season goes, and sometimes it's the exact opposite. Sometimes, as a team, you get down with the series, and you go, "How did we win two out of three? How do we win three out of four? How did we even find a way to split that series?" So it's it's not a it's not the same every year and some seasons you're just snake bit and some seasons just don't go the way they're supposed to go. Uh, I continue to believe that this season would be completely different if the Cardinals would have had a reliable bullpen. That's the thing. We talk so much about the starting rotation. I always thought the rotation was going to kind of turn into what it is right now. It's not a rotation that's going to go win you a playoff series, but it's a rotation that's going to keep you in the game, game after game after game after game, and that's going to be enough for you to win in the regular season. Thought uh, The offense has been fine. I, I know they scored the one run yesterday, but it's been fine. They don't need to score 11 runs to win generally, although they kind of did today with the way uh, Arizona made a run late. But what they've done from an offensive, from a run scoring standpoint, it's been pretty darn good. It's the bullpen. And right now, when it comes from a trust standpoint, I've got a ton of trust in Jordan Hicks. I really do. Yesterday, we talked a lot on the show about whether or not the Cardinals should give him a contract extension, that they are trying to work through that, that they would like to get an extension done with him. If they don't, they're likely to trade him, but they would rather have an extension done with him. I can buy Jordan Hicks as the full-time closer for this team moving forward for years to come. I like the idea of that. I think he's got the makeup and the profile to be a closer. He's going to miss bats. He throws hard. He likes being a Cardinal. He likes being in St. Louis. There's just so many things about Jordan Hicks that makes me really like him as the closer. Does that mean, let's not forget the fact that it was not that long ago that he had a huge ERA and he had to be taken out of leverage situations because he just was not pitching well at the beginning of the season. And it's kind of funny now. He was somebody that a lot of Cardinals fans wanted to see DFA just gone from the organization. They were done with him. And now he has turned into really the one guy that you can trust, the one guy that you can truly rely on. And we saw it today. Jack Flaherty goes the five uh, Andre Palante has to come into the game. Palante did a fine job, gave up a run in, in two innings. 
Uh, Giovanni Gallegos comes in. He did a fine job, but you kind of you hold your breath when Gallegos comes in just based off some of the, the recent things that have happened with him. Suarez has a good first inning, that second inning. All of a sudden, the Diamondbacks start to come back a little bit. He ends up allowing three runs. So of the seven runs that the Diamondbacks scored today, four of the seven were against the bullpen. And I would make the argument that Palante was fine, thought Gallegos was pretty good in there. Uh, but, but Suarez struggled, and you just – on a night-in, night-out basis for this team, if it's a leverage situation in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings, it is a challenge to go out and find the guys that you're going to uh, that you're going to use, that you're going to feel really confident that they are going to uh, go out and uh, find a way to do a nice job. Got a uh, tweet that came in from uh, Steven, says... Uh, which Cardinals players are really leaving, and should the Cardinals go after Blake Snell and Josh Hader? Um, so two things there. I would, I think the Cardinals that are most likely to get traded are Jack Flaherty and Jordan Montgomery. They are starting pitchers that are going. There's going to be some desire out there, and then if Jordan Hicks, if they don't work out a long term deal, I'd put him in there as well. There is a there's a strong possibility that a Paul DeYoung ends up getting traded. I think what's going on right now with Brendan Donovan not being able to play in the field and just the fact that Tommy Edmond hasn't played, so you don't have a whole lot of protection on the roster if Donovan were to go, I think there's a lot less likely shot now uh, that we're going to see Donovan or Edmond end up getting moved. As far as the outfielders go, the report from Katie Wu yesterday was Tyler O'Neill's not going to get traded. And that just that yells to me that they are not – getting the kind of offers that they want right now for O'Neill, So they'll hope that he can stay healthy for the final two months of the season and maybe try again in the off season. As far as a Snell and Hader, I assume you're not talking about acquiring those guys from the Padres at the deadline. That's not going to happen because teams that are trying to add are going to possibly add those players. But looking at those players this off season as free agents, I think both those players would make this team better. You're probably not looking at Josh Hader if Jordan Hicks uh, signs a long-term deal because I don't think Hicks signs that deal without the idea that he's going to be the closer. But if you are looking to add a closer, hey, I spent a lot of years in Milwaukee watching Hader. I watched a lot of his games, and I think very highly of him as a pitcher. And if he becomes available in the offseason and you can work out a deal, absolutely it makes sense. And then they do need starting pitchers. So if a Blake Snell is somebody that you can go after, same thing. But not – Steven, not at the deadline. That's not uh, that's not something that the Cardinals are going to be doing this year at the deadline. Those players, if they're not playing for the Padres, will also not be playing for the Cardinals. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You could tweet at me as well, at Matt Pauley on air, as Steven did. When we return, we'll shift gears just a bit. We'll talk a little City SC as they continue their run in the League's Cup. Tom Timmerman from the Post-Dispatch and STL Today will be our guest in just a moment. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
A great bar sports open line rolls on here on KMOX. We're going to head to the Quiver River Electric Guest Line here in just a moment. City SC, it is the League's Cup break. It's it's a break from MLS action, but it's not really a break because you're still uh, playing games, and they are going to uh, be back at it coming up tomorrow evening. They are going to uh, play host uh, to one of the more historic soccer teams in North America in Mexican team Club America, and uh, we're very happy to welcome on to the program right now uh, Tom Timmerman from the Post-Dispatch and STL Today. Tom, thanks for taking some time with us today. How are you? I'm doing fine, uh, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so for soccer fans, how cool is it to have a Club America coming to St. Louis? Uh, it's, you know, they are probably the biggest club in North America. I mean, they play in the biggest stadium, second in Mexico City. They are in Mexico City, so they're in the biggest city in the most, you know, soccer-mad country uh, in North America. Uh, they have won all sorts of titles as being the best, you know, whether they're the best team in Mexico. More, they're the New York Yankees of, Mexi- of, of Mexican soccer, basically. This this ev- this event like for North for American sports fans, it's weird to have in season tournaments, and then yeah. to take it one step further, it's weird to have in season tournaments where you're playing teams from other leagues. But that's what's going on, and it really feels like. MLS wants this to be a big deal, and they want MLS teams to, to take this seriously. From a, Do you get the sense that soccer fans are embracing this tournament? It's a little bit different than the U.S. Open Cup. It, it's very different from the Open Cup. Uh, and I, well, I think the fact that Lionel Messi is playing in this tournament <laughs> has really substantially changed the profile of this event because, you know, Inter-Miami's games have become kind of must-sees, and now that they are advancing the tournament, it will be for a while longer. And so that brings a lot of attention to this. You know, there is prize money at stake, so I mean, the winning team is supposed to get about $2 million. That's a big deal. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's real money. Um, you know, so it's, it's got things going for it. Yeah, it's as if the World Baseball Classic was scheduled, you know, in the middle of the baseball season. It's a chance you know, Major League Soccer has been kind of desperate for years. You know, so many Mexican-Americans here in America are still fans of the Mexican League, and Major League Soccer wants to get them. I mean, the, the Liga MX, the Mexican League, still gets, like, better TV ratings than Major League Soccer does, even though it's not this country's league. And so they've been trying for years to find a way to start to capture that market. And this is a way of you know they're not going to capture the market, but exposing the league and to try to you know to get Mexican fans of the Mexican league to come to MLS games and to maybe try to swing them over, um, you know, win over their allegiances uh, over a while. It'll happen eventually, but it's it probably might be well be a generational thing uh, before you see that change happening. I'm really good at being a prisoner of the moment, so I'm glad to have you on as I ask this question. Um, we're we're not talking about the League's Cup in St. Louis if City SC doesn't exist. That being yep. said, 
it really feels like there's about as much momentum as MLS has had. Maybe yeah, this is the first time that's really been talked about nationally and since since David Beckham joined the league many years ago. But it felt like even that didn't last. Where Messi uh, is is not somebody who's right at the end of his career, kind of the way Beckham was. So it feels a little bit different. Is you've you've covered this sport and you've covered this league for a really really long time. Is this as much momentum as MLS has had nationally and really its existence? Oh, definitely so, without without a doubt. I mean, even going back to the earliest days of this league, and it's you know they're now in 29 cities, about to be in the 30th, so it has a bigger footprint than it's ever had. It's never had a player of the caliber of Messi, and Messi is is like, I mean, talk about the perfect opening. I mean, he comes in and he scores these goals in the first two games. It's like perfect. I mean, you know, you you know he's playing 20 minutes in one game, but he comes in and takes a perfect you know, free kick for a goal. I mean, it, it couldn't be better. For, it's like out of central casting. I mean, it is just, you know, what they would love to have happen, and it's happening. And so this is a thing that has got people other than soccer fans noticing the league, knowing, noticing League's Cup. And it's, you know, from the Apple TV point of view, this is a great thing uh, for them. So, yeah, I mean, this is the most attention uh, and there are still going to be naysayers and there are still dissenters who are going to scoff at it and say, just, you know, the way he's played, it shows how bad MLS is if he can come in and do this. But it's, I mean, it's, you're seeing the best player ever, I mean, doing things that he did when he played in Spain or when he played in France. I mean, this, he did these things to them too. Uh, he's playing, showing still he's at the top of his game. Inter Miami is plunging in. They have signed all sorts of other players. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is really an amazing time for the league. And he's only going to be here, you know, maybe two or three years. But this is going to be the chance for the league to, to really get noticed. And not just in America, but to have the message go out to players in other countries. Look, that you can come here in the prime of your career and play and you, you'll get, you know, you'll be well paid and you'll get adulation. It's not going to be bad for business. So, I mean, this is good on a lot of fronts for Major League Soccer. Tom Timmerman from the Post-Dispatch and STL Today, the uh, City SC beat writer, is continuing to join us here on a Graybar Sports Open Line. How important is it for City to have success tomorrow, if for no other reason than to keep their run going and, and to not basically have three weeks off? Yeah, that's that's a, the kind of dilemma that, that they're facing right now. There are a lot of guys, the European guys, who are used to having a summer break. Uh, that's the way the European leagues are. They start in the fall, they go to the spring, and then you have the summer off. But even then, during the season, there's a break. There, you know, whether it's the winter break or you know, around Christmas time, where a lot of leagues take you know a couple weeks off. And so, I mean, Roman Berkey's been saying, "Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I'm not used to playing this long in a row." So they're really torn right now because you know a break would be good. You know, maybe not a three-week break. A, a one or two-week break would be good for them. Uh, but at the same time, they they love to play soccer. This is a great chance for them. Uh, there's a trophy. There's prize money. Uh, so there, it's kind of a two worlds on them. And yeah, for how, how well they had played going into the break, they want to kind of channel that and keep it going and not have to start from scratch uh, when they return on August 20th. So there's a lot of things going on here where a break would be great, but not just yet. So, you know, you're going to see, you know, more regulars, I would imagine, on Thursday night because also 
Club America is a very good team, so this is a game that will be noticed uh, in, in other markets and other places. So, yeah, there's a lot going on, and, uh, and they need to win. I mean, if they get a win, if they win by two goals, they're, they're through to the next round. If they win by one, it's going to come down to the last game. Um, so there's, there's a lot at stake. It's, a, it's also a tough time for Club America. The Mexican season has just started, um, and so Club America has played two games. Uh, they've got some games, you know, some of their best players who are with Mexico in international play in the Gold Cup who haven't played much. So they're catching a team that is still coming together. So this is this might not be Club America at its best just because of the timing of this, but this is the problem that they always have. When MLS teams play in the CONCACAF Champions League, they have to play those games starting in January where they're just in training camp. So there's not a great time to schedule MLS and Liga MX teams. This is about as good as it's going to get right now for both of them being in season at the same time. From an intensity standpoint, I know they're taking this seriously, but there's just it's it is going to be at least a little bit different. No matter what the the league might want to push, uh, coming out of MLS play for a little bit, uh, it, it seems like it's going to be hard to match the intensity of what they have done uh, previously. Is that something? Is it good to take the foot off the pedal a little bit, or kind of going back to what you were just alluding to? Is there kind of an active challenge right now for Bradley Carnell to keep that intensity level as high as possible during this break? Yeah, it, it really is a, a tough position. One of the things that has happened to City this year is that they have used a different lineup in almost every game. There's only two of their 20, I'm not sure what number we're at now, 25 games they may have played so far. Um, it's been a different lineup every time. And because of that, they've got a lot of guys who have been starters. Almost every on the team has started at some point. And so right now what he's done, what he did at the first game against Columbus was take some guys who had started earlier, but maybe not started later and gotten them back in the mix to get them games, to keep them fresh and to give some guys a game off to give them a reader. Tim Parker had the game off. Berkey had the game off against Columbus. So he's been, the city's roster is uniquely structured where they've been able to give guys on and off time right now. And that's kind of what they're looking at now is that you know the john nelson and jake Nerwinski's of the world who were starters early on have been back in the starting lineup which is good for them and it's good for you know breathers to the tim parkers and kyle Gieberts of the world who have logged a lot of minutes but it, and so they're hoping that you know because with there was a, a few weeks ago when they had a bunch of games in a row and they had to give time some guys time off they gave time to guys like sam adeneron uh, a heel Watts, and, and those guys took those minutes and grabbed them, and they've become regulars in the lineup since then. Josh Yarrow has started for the past five games coming into this. So he's also hoping that, hey, if these other guys get hot again, we're, we're going to go with who's playing best at that moment. Here's a chance for those guys to get a chance to prove that they should be playing. It, it's a complex situation that's going on. There's a lot of irons in the fire right now with City. 
Final question for Tom Timmerman. When the season got started, one of the common narratives I've heard was that the, the that first line, that first group of guys was going to be able to, uh, you know, compete. But if they start dealing with injuries, if they, you know, when they're loaning players to international teams, things like that, and all of a sudden when they start utilizing their depth, that's when issues were going to pop up. It's kind of been the exact opposite of that, as you just alluded to. This team's depth has turned into a real strength for them, and they've gotten a lot of contributions deep down onto the roster. Have you been surprised by the success and what they have received from some of those players that, bluntly, we didn't know much about when the season got started? I mean, everything about this team has been a surprise. I mean, there's there's nothing on this team that you'd say, oh, yeah, I saw that coming. You know, I mean, even Roman Berkey, the most experienced guy, had barely played in two years. You know, so how was he going to handle it? Well, he's handled it perfectly well. He's probably the best goalie in the league right now. So, yeah, the depth has been tested, but it has handled it. I remember being in Austin for the opening game, and uh, Jared Stroud of City played for Austin last year. People there were like, how good can this team be? Jared Stroud is starting. You know, he played like 40 minutes all season last year for Austin, and he's been a pretty effective player for City all season long. And so just you look at this lineup, and it's like, well, what about him? You know, some of these guys who have been career backups or had been – not getting playing time, and, and they're doing it. You know, I mean, Lucas Bartlett was out of a job, essentially, after last season. He's played a bunch of games uh, for City. It's just truly incredible. I mean, you know, you, you know, AZL Jackson. I mean, some of these guys, just where where were they, where they come from, but they have seized this opportunity and run with it, and it's happened up and down the roster. Almost everybody on this roster, I think, has played better than you would have thought they would have. He is uh, Tom Timmerman. He covers City SC for the Post-Dispatch and STL today, tomorrow night. Uh, City SC uh, going to match up against Club America. You'll be able to hear it on our sister station, Y98. Uh, Todd, thanks so much, uh, as always, uh, for your time. We really do appreciate it. Matt, thanks for having me. All right, very good. There's Tom Timmerman joining us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line again tomorrow evening. That's going to be fun. Club America, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, he mentioned just, you know, from a from a Mexican soccer standpoint and popularity, that's a really, really popular team. So people who have been fans of, the, uh, of, of Mexican soccer more so than MLS and are just coming around to the MLS with City SC, what's that... Uh, What's that crowd going to look like tomorrow? That'll be interesting to see. All right, we'll jump back into Cardinals baseball, looking ahead to the trade deadline. Again, if you want to join us, you can do so by calling 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We're back with more in just a moment. This is a Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. It's the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. About 20 minutes left on this edition of a Gray Bar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Shortened edition after Cardinals baseball, a long, very long Cardinals uh, game today. If you did not know, I've mentioned this a couple times, and I'm, I don't have a, I, I enjoy. I enjoy the shorter games. Don't get me wrong. Um, the Cardinals have not played as short of games as you might expect. 
they have the longest average game time in Major League Baseball. Their game per nine innings, that's the statistic that Major League Baseball uses, their per nine inning game time is two hours, 45 minutes, and 42 seconds. Boston has the second longest amount of games, uh, or second longest uh, length of game at two hours, 45 minutes, and uh, 12 seconds. The team that plays the quickest games, the Cleveland Guardians, their nine-inning games get done in an average of two hours, 30 minutes, and uh, 46 seconds. We were uh, talking earlier about uh, the, the bullpen and where the Cardinals are at in terms of blowing saves, and we mentioned this a little bit yesterday. Uh, the card that's been that's been the area that to me I will this is a hill that I'm willing to die on because I know people have been critical about a number of different areas of this team. If there was one thing that I would have liked to have seen this team done better, done differently is build the bullpen with some more reliable pieces, guys that have a track, more of a track record. And we talked yesterday about the save percentage. 24 of 48 is their save percentage, which just is not very good. Got a text message asking uh, how many games the bullpen has lost from the seventh inning on. So we mentioned all those blown saves. But you can have a blown save if it's a if it's technically a save situation in the fifth inning, the pitcher who gives it up in the fifth would be charged with a blown save, even though that pitcher would never been in the ninth inning to collect a save. That's kind of why the hold category came in. You get a hold when it's a save situation and you preserve the lead, uh, but you don't get a save. You're not in there when the game uh, comes to an end. But as far as the Cardinals and, you know, in addition to just the blown saves, what they have done in games that they have been leading late, because we talked about that yesterday, they had the one nothing lead yesterday and they couldn't hold on to it. The Cardinals record when leading after seven innings, 31 and six, they are 12 and 5 when tied after 7 innings and they're 2 and 46 when trailing after 7 innings but the big number there leading after 7 31 and 6 so 6 times this year they have lost games when they're leading after 7 innings leading after 8 innings 35 and 4 so they've lost four separate games this year when leading after 8 uh, when they're tied after eight innings, they're six and six. When they're trailing after eight innings, they're four and forty-seven. So they've come back on uh, four separate occasions. So that kind of gives you a sense of where they're at and how often they don't hold on to leads. And if they if they just had an average middle of the pack save percentage, this team would be very much in contention for the division and very much in contention for a playoff spot overall. That's been the area that has uh, that has really held them back. Text message from the 314. The Cardinals have the fourth youngest team in Major League Baseball, even with Wainwright and Goldschmidt. Atlanta built their team on homegrown talent. Can the Cardinals keep their young note nucleus and still get enough in trades by trading Flaherty, Montgomery, Stratton, and DeYoung, assuming that they sign Hicks to an extension? I don't think those things are specifically mutually exclusive. Uh, I think it was Kevin Wheeler and I were having this discussion, and to be perfectly honest with you, I don't remember if it was on air or off air, but Kevin made a point. I want to give credit where credit's due. Kevin made a point, and it's a, it was a good one. 
you're you're not going to go get top 100 level prospects in all likelihood for the players that you're trading away. I know what Cardinals fans think about Jack Flaherty. Most Cardinals fans. I know what they think about Jordan Montgomery. Um, Those are really nice pieces, and those are absolutely pieces that other teams are going to be coveting, but they're not going to be coveting them to the extent that you're going to go and just get this can't-miss prospect who's on the edge of the big leagues and is going to be contributing in a major way in 2024 or 2025. The thing that kind of confuses me, maybe not, maybe confuse is the wrong word, but the thing that I'm trying to kind of grasp, if the Cardinals are looking to get better for next year, which is what they are doing, they are, the decisions they're making right now are based upon 2024. If they're looking to get better for next year and they're looking to add, as John Mosellock said, pitching, 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 my question and what I'm going to be most interested in come deadline time, how do they add pitching that is going to be performing at a high level for them next year? Now, some some people have mentioned Seattle, like a Logan Gilbert, and he's a big league pitcher right now. And if you can work out that deal, that's great. And, and Seattle's got a fair amount of pitching, and they've got a lot more pitching on the way. So maybe they would be a team that'd be willing to move from a young, a young controllable pitcher that's already in the big leagues. So, yeah, if you can go get a player like that, they can – they can help you next year. But the cost for that is going to be huge. Like Nolan Gorman huge, Jordan Walker huge in all likelihood. That's not a that's not the return for a Jordan Montgomery. That's not the return for a Jack Flaherty. That's not the return for those players team, you know, packaged along with Paul DeYoung. You just that's that's not the return for those kind of players. So Assuming you don't work out a deal like that, going and finding a pitching-rich team that already has pitching at the big league level that's controllable beyond this year that you can bring in, then what are you really going to get? How many guys are sitting in AAA right now having not made their major league debut or having a cup of coffee in the big leagues who are ready to contribute at a high level next season? Those guys just don't really exist. There's not a lot of pitching in Major League Baseball. There are very few teams that have so many good pitchers that Major League quality starting pitchers are at AAA or young pitchers who are ready to be big leaguers are blocked and they're still at AAA. That just that isn't something that really exists in today's baseball. So if the Cardinals' goal at the deadline is to again, to quote John Mosellock, is about pitching, pitching, pitching. And it's also about making the 2024 team better. I think that's very challenging. I don't think that's an easy thing to do. Maybe, maybe there's a scenario where 
there's a triple-A guy, and they're young enough, and you kind of view them as somebody who can come into spring training next year and compete for that fifth starter spot and eventually develop into a top one, top two pitcher. But that doesn't make the 2024 team better. Like They got those guys. You need a number three starter? Come talk to the Cardinals because the rotation is filled with number three starters. That's all they have. So going and getting a, a, a guy who projects to be a three or a four or a five in 2024, even if they project to be much better than that in years forward, that doesn't really help you in 2024. So if you want to get high-end pitching for 2024, I think that's going to happen in the offseason. Whether it's pulling off a big trade or whether it's spending gobs and gobs of money in free agency to go get a legit top-tier pitcher or two. So I would advise you Pump the brakes a little bit on the expectations for the trade deadline. I'm not saying the Cardinals are going to run it back with the same team next year. I've seen that uh, narrative on social media. I don't believe that social media. I don't believe that narrative to be true. And I also think this team is going to look significantly different next year. Steps towards doing that will likely be made at the deadline, but the the steps that are going to really really help the 2024 version of the Cardinals. I don't think that I don't think that's going to happen at the trade deadline. You'll get some nice pieces back for some of those players, but they are not going to be the difference making type pieces for 2024. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call, that's how you text. You can tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air. It's a great bar sports open line. More in a moment on KMOX. Wrap up this edition. It's a great bar sports open line here on KMOX. Talked about this for a little while with uh, Dave Glover right before our Cardinals baseball today. The Sporting News and our friend uh, Ryan Fagan put together the Mount Rushmore of St. Louis sports. I'm not always the biggest fan of like doing Mount Rushmore stuff when I'm hosting, but it's always fun to look at other people's opinions. And uh, Ryan spoke with uh, a number of individuals to uh, to get some thoughts on uh, who it should be. And the group that they went with, three Cardinals, one blue, Stan Musial, Albert Pujols, Bob Gibson, and Brett Hull. It's a really fun talking point. I think without a doubt, two of those are no-brainers in Stan Musial and Bob Gibson. Brett Hull is probably the, the most famous player who's been with the Blues, but he didn't spend his entire career with the Blues. Uh, There's certainly other players you can think of that had longer careers there. And then Albert Pujols, if he wouldn't have left for Anaheim, if he would have played his entire career or more than what he did, you know, he played a little bit more than half of his career in St. Louis, uh, he would have been a no-doubter, but the fact that he left makes that one a little bit interesting as well. When we were talking about this earlier today, uh, Kevin Wheeler and, and, and Dave Glover mentioned Ozzie Smith as maybe replacing Albert Pools. I think I would agree with that. It's just, uh, 
and I can you know, I, I I can't tell you how often I think about this because when when I walk into the ballpark, so I walk into the ballpark day after day after day after day. I park at around Ballpark Village and I walk all the way down the street towards um, to a fairly long distance, and I I pass by the Stan Musial statue every single time I walk into the ballpark. And it's if I'm not specifically thinking about something else, if there's not something on my mind, if I'm not planning out my uh, my agenda for the evening, if my mind is just blank, the thing I think about all the time is if Albert would not have left St. Louis, there's there would have been another statue that size being built. It would have been Stan and Albert, and they would have stood alone. You put Albert's career through his entire career, and I also would make the argument that he probably would have had better numbers had he stayed in St. Louis. I'm not saying he might not have had a career dip the way he did uh, with the Angels. I'm not even saying that his numbers his final half season last year would have been kept up his entire career, but I do think his overall career numbers would have been better had he played his entire career in St. Louis. But even the career as is, that would have been enough to have a big statue. I think the fact that he did not play his entire career and played so much of his uh, career outside of St. Louis, you know, he'll there, there's a lot of statues around Bush Stadium, and he's going to get one of the one of the smaller ones at some point in time. But I so often think about you think about the the Musial statue and what that means. And Pujols would have had one of them. So I think it's easy to make the argument. Um, Wheeler and Glover talked Ozzy Smith as being uh, someone who maybe should have been on that list. We got a text message earlier today saying all four should be baseball players, that the Blues haven't been around long enough. They've only won one championship. It took them forever to win a Stanley Cup, that this should be four Cardinals on the list and there shouldn't be a Blue. Uh, if the Rams would have never left, would we be talking about somebody like Kurt Warner, although he played a lot of his career outside of St. Louis? Do we look at an Isaac Bruce and put him on uh, this list? It's interesting. There's When you've only got four spots, nobody's going to always be right. But uh, I thought Ryan did a really nice job putting this together. You should read it. Uh, head to the Sporting News website if you want to read it for yourself. That's going to do it for our show today. Thanks for being tuned in uh, to this show, to Cardinals Baseball. And we'll talk to you again uh, tomorrow for more Cardinals Baseball. Cubs are in town for the only time this year. Four-game series begins tomorrow night right here on KMOX. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.